0: The Lifestylist, episode 134, featuring Lauren Messiah.
1: I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. All right, you guys, I need to take a moment to tell you about the Amp Coil. This is the device in health and healing that I am most excited about. This is the coolest thing I've seen to come along in quite a while. What is the Amp Coil? It's a self healing energy based device that you use to take care of your mind, body, and spirit. So, the Amp Coil combines five very powerful pieces of technology one is bioresonance, biofeedback, Tesla technology, PEMF and sound and vibration. So this is a game changer that you've got to check out. It's the first PMF device with customization and biofeedback voice analysis. It's really easy to use and learn, where some of these devices can be very confusing. Uh, when you detox using the Ampqua, which is one of its main applications, they've written programs to make it really gentle. You can neutralize microbes and metals and toxins and really fix the bio terrain within your body. And it's a passive activity. Like when you use the amp coil, you're just chilling. It's very relaxing, it feels really good. I don't know, it's just awesome. So I want you to go back and check out episode number 98 with the founders, Aaron and Geneva. And then just get over to ampcoil.com and check it out. It's a family-owned business. They're very helpful, very knowledgeable. You can just literally call them on the phone and they'll talk to you immediately and answer your questions. So Go to ampcoil.com if you want to find out more. You guys know I always talk about the Organifi green juice, right? Because it's delicious and I eat it every damn day. But did you know that they also make a red juice? That's right. So they make a red juice powder packed with antioxidants and immune boosting herbs. It's got reishi and cordyceps mushrooms, which are actually really hard to make taste good. I don't know how they did this. It's also got a bunch of powerful adaptogenic herbs to support and balance your immune system. It not only tastes really good, but it's of course organic. It's also got 11 other superfoods. It's super quick and easy nutrition on the go. So imagine like getting a red juice that you'd get like a bottle juice without shit that can spill all over you. And it's really fast to make it. It's like one scoop, but a bing, but a boom, there you go. And it's like under $3 per juice, which is much more affordable than your average juice. So that's the red juice by Organifi. And you can check that out or over at Organifi.com that's spelled with an I, Organifi.com forward slash Luke. Here's what what's dope though. If you enter the audience code lifestylist, you'll save a whopping 20% off your order. So go over to organifi.com forward slash Luke, use the code lifestylist and save 20% off any of their products. Not the least of which being this delicious high powered red juice. Hey, you out there in the cold, come on in, sit by the fire, kick back, put your feet up. You're welcome. This is the Lifestylist Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Mikasa is Sukasa. My name is Luke Story, and I'm here to bring you another inspiring episode all about the psychology of style, featuring our guest and my friend and business partner, Lauren Messiah. But before we jump into that fashion party, let's talk about next week's episode, number one thirty-five, with the legendary Mister Dell Big Tree, where we're going to be talking about the safety or lack thereof of vaccines. To make sure that you don't miss next week's episode or any episode to follow, all you have to do is make sure that you click subscribe on your podcast player and boom, schwala, they're going to appear magically on your device. Okay. I've got a couple upcoming events also. We've got Soho House, Little Beach House, Malibu on April 24th with Eli Block. We're going to be talking about orgasmic meditation. And then I'll be speaking at Paleo Effects April 27th through 29th in Austin, Texas. If you want to come hang out with me in person, I'd love to see you you can always find my events at lukestroy.com forward slash events. All right. So this episode has been a long time coming. I'm sitting down with the catalyst for the Lifestylist podcast and my partner in crime for many years at School of Style, Lauren Messiah. Oh, and we also dated for about five years and you're going to learn more about in this episode. So Lauren's an LA-based personal stylist, speaker, educator, and style expert. She provides high end one on one styling services for her clients as well as through her online learning platform, Personal Style University. She's also been featured on or partnered with companies and brands like Marie Claire, True TV, Vogue, The Wall Street Journal, VH1, Ford, Adidas, Target, eBay, and even Walmart. As a personal stylist, Lauren is dedicated to helping women fundamentally change their relationship with clothing. So in this episode, we dig into Lauren's background, how she became a stylist, how she moved from D.C. to the West Coast and eventually found School of Style and started working with yours truly. We also talk about her being a voice for people who feel misunderstood, why Lauren stopped celebrity styling and started doing personal styling, being a servant versus serving, and why style is such a huge pain point for so many people, how a job with nickelodeon changed lauren's life trajectory forever clothing is a way of communicating your values lauren's evolving brand and relationship with style putting yourself in badass mode by dressing the part and how she plans to become the oprah of fashion how men can represent their true self on the outside by learning who they are on the inside and lauren's current self-help journey so if you're a longtime listener of the show, I think you're going to really enjoy this one because Lauren knows me probably better than most people in my life. And we have a really good candid chat about all things fashion, the psychology of fashion, and our relationship and history together. So I think it's going to be a fun one for you. If you want to get the show notes for this show and every show to follow, here's what you got to do. You got to join my newsletter. To do that, I've made it really easy for you. All you have to do is text the word LIFESTYLIST to the number four. So open up your phone, get ready to text. Here's the number. You're going to text 44222. In the body of the text, just put one word, Lifestylist, click send. It's going to prompt you for your email and you are good to go. All right, so let's go ahead now then, my friends, and jump into this fascinating conversation with Lauren Messiah. Welcome, Finally, my friend Lauren to the Lifestyle's Podcast. Yeah. Here we are, dude. We're finally doing it.
0: I know. This is weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, to- it's totally weird, like interviewing a friend. You know, I interviewed, as you know, my brother Cody, I think after I was doing the show like a year and a half, we've been friends for what, going on 10 years now or nine years, isn't yeah. it?
0: And I don't know if your listeners know, but who's the catalyst of this whole we're
1: gonna We're going to cover that.
0: That <laughs> I haven't been on.
1: So the funny thing about it, uh, for those of you listening, is like the people closest to me that I've been really inspired by and want to share with the world are oftentimes the last ones on the show. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, she just lives down the road. Like, we'll do it whenever yeah, we have time. And then now I'm coming up on my two-year anniversary.
0: Holy shit, it's already two years. June
1: 6 was my first episode, June 6, 2016. Wow. Return of the Jedi, episode one. So here we are, but it's perfect timing because your career and your whole mission seems to be really solidified and actually very much in alignment with the Lifestylist podcast about building the ultimate lifestyle. Uh, those of you listening, what Lauren's referring to, and I want to publicly thank you as I have so many of my guests that have inspired me and encouraged me. Lauren's really the one that was like, dude, do your damn podcast? What is wrong with you? Because I had the idea, I think maybe for six months, and was kind of hemming and hawing, and couldn't figure out how I wanted to do it and if I could do it and all of that stuff. And thank you for yeah. kicking my ass.
0: Well, to expose you,
1: <laughs> please do. What's the, that's my that's my version of the story. Yeah. How do you remember it?
0: Well, so I mean, everyone listening, they can feel your passion and your obsession. And I've known you forever. <laughs> Obviously, seen your obsession probably more so than anyone else on earth has seen. And I kept telling you, like, do something with this, like, stop just obsessing for yourself. I mean, if you could see, I mean, you show a lot of stuff on Instagram stories, but your cabinets, your <laughs> all your routines, like, all your weird stuff. And he'd be so giving, like you would send, remember all the long emails you would send to all of your friends with like every single link and do this. I would send them
1: online courses, basically.
0: Basically. I was like, God, do something. And then we had dinner in Chicago, remember, at that restaurant. And we started listing out like all of the weird shit that you've done. Right. And I think from there is when you kind of were like... I should do a podcast. I'm like, well, you're damn good at talking, so.
1: I remember that because you, <laughs> you emailed me. I was like, help me put together that list. Email me that list. And then once I had it in front of me and there were like 150 different practices and spiritual things and biohacking things that I've tried or applied at some point. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I guess I do know some stuff. And yeah. not only that, but know the people behind them, you know, where those things originated. Uh, also, interesting part of our story uh, too, you guys and why Lauren probably knows me, I would say maybe apart from my two brothers knows me better than anyone as we were also in a relationship for about five years. So she exactly got...
0: Exactly to... five. We <laughs> broke up on our five years. Are you serious? Series.
1: I didn't know that. You didn't? Girls always remember the specific dates for these things, you know? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. No, I didn't. The first time we broke up or the real time? The real time. Okay. Because we broke up and then we tried to reconcile and went to couples therapy and actually- We no, went
0: to two couples.
1: We went to a couples retreat, actually, which we was went, pretty cool.
0: Yeah. We went to Pat Allen before that.
1: Oh, God.
0: That's when she told me I had a penis.
1: Pat Allen's been on the show. Yeah. She's like, you're a man, Lauren. And Luke, you're a woman. Get (laughs) out of my office. You're not compatible. We were out in the hallway, literally just fucking bawling. And what was traumatizing is I went and interviewed Pat on one of my early shows in that same office. I had like PTSD (sighs) from that first breakup, which now we can like laugh about, but we were in love and it was fucking super, super painful. Then we went to this place called OnSite in Nashville for like a week. (laughs) We have so many like inside jokes at this point. We should probably just like turn off the recorder and just have a funny conversation, but we'll let you guys in. But this place OnSite is amazing. And they do, I've been there myself as sort of like this intensified therapy thing that you do for a week. And we went to their coupleship program in an effort to save our relationship, which was profoundly i mean what did you get out of on site
0: i mean a lot i mean we were the star couple of the thing (laughs) we were like voted most likely to succeed (laughs) i'm like a couple months later we're like yeah (laughs) let's call it but no i mean i i've never done anything that Fucking weird before.
1: describe to the people some of what you consider weird because you you use that term a lot for a lot of the things that I'm into. So the experience of onsite that week that we were there, what what were some of the things that were shocking and strange in terms of self-help and therapy and things?
0: I mean, first of all, I mean I've never really been it was a group. it was like group therapy. like we were in our little groups with other couples. so just saying stuff to like strangers that you I've never even said to myself was strange. And then remember we do the like weird role play type of stuff with like props. I'd never done anything like that before. Not having a phone or internet was weird. <laughs> I was like, what, right. what? <laughs> like collected your phones. I don't know. I just never had done any of that before.
1: Yeah. The role playing there was they I think some of the stuff they call um I forget the name for it, but some the overarching theme there is a lot of experiential therapy. So you're you're doing stuff. And mm-hmm. we made those little family, yeah. family of origin maps and mm-hmm. stuff. And they'd be like, ah, that's why you're insecure because your dad didn't express love. And, you know, all of that, like yeah. classic sort of childhood issue stuff. But as you said, you're doing it very sort of publicly and then the role playing where somebody plays your mom and screams at you and you fucking scream back at them and just like really if you if you like just had a hidden camera it would look like a cult or something you know it's like really weird stuff but there is a lot of healing and growth and i've actually recommended that on-site no uh, i mean it it was
0: good and i mean i wouldn't say that it like didn't work i mean we were definitely like most likely to succeed during it. And I think if we had applied, I mean, at the end of the day, we're just we're not compatible in that way. But we didn't really apply what we learned. We got busy. We tweaked. We tweaked out. You like redecorated the house and like bought (laughs) new furniture and stuff.
1: Came home and ran up the credit (laughs) cards. That'll save us. Let's get deeper into debt. Yeah,
0: but I do think like one of the things, one of the exercises. Remember, like our eyes like never unlocked, and we're still like doing life together even if we're not doing it romantically we still like we do have we do a lot of shit together yeah you know we just got back from the Tony Robbins thing I'm like we've done like everything together yeah it's pretty cool yeah you know we went through a
1: lot of shit I mean, those of you listening, it's not, you know, it's not been all unicorns and rainbows because we own a business together and where we sit and record this is in our office, which is a a nice apartment that we've rented next door to Lauren's uh, place. And um, this is our headquarters and school of style. I, I, I refer to it on the show, but it's, you know, it's about fashion. So it doesn't really pertain to what we do. But um, I started this business 10 years ago. You joined after the first year or so. So we've been doing this for nine years together. As a couple, then through the whole breakup, like we broke up, you moved out, and they're like, "Cool, see you tomorrow at work." I mean, like we've been through a lot of a lot of stuff, and last year we had a pretty rocky road. You
0: know,
1: those things went off the rails a bit. So it's I feel really good that we've been able to, you know, develop you know a good working relationship and a friendship with boundaries, and we kind of live our own lives and do different things, but are able to still be supportive of one another and to all of our customers at School of Style, you know.
0: Yeah, it's weird. We're just, I don't know. I consider you family, you know, at this point. It's like family, like you want to fucking punch them in the face sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes you don't want to talk to them. You don't understand why they do certain things, but you still love them and they're still in your life, you know? So it's like we've done, I mean the shit we've gone through is just the road trips the everything it's crazy yeah
1: i was always when when we were together and we you guys we will get into the topic which is really the psychology of style but there's there is a backstory here that i think is relevant and when we were starting the interview i didn't really have a plan of whether or not to kind of talk about this part but I I think, you know, you're such an important part of my past and current and really one of the catalysts, as we said to the podcast. So it's relevant there. But yeah, you guys, you know, Lauren was never into all of the biohacking and health stuff and going to hot springs and she doesn't like getting mud under like we're and that's what Lauren, she's saying like we're not compatible and Lauren's idea of a good time is literally like spending the day in Beverly Hills, shopping at Barney's and Rodeo Drive and like getting cute shoes and not to say she's superficial. We're going to talk about the deeper elements of that, but. But like, there's nothing I would, if you gave me the ultimate day, it would be like re- covering myself in mud out naked in a hot spring somewhere, you know, <laughs> K- yeah. covering myself in germs. <laughs> well, where...
0: I mean, I think we have both evolved as people over the, because uh, we used to freaking shop.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like we would That's shop, true. you know, That's I mean, true. you
0: were in, in the fashion industry, yeah. but I think we've evolved both differently and like what's enjoyable to us. Right. I work like crazy. I love, I like to shop. I let, you know, me going outside is like the park with my, with Yoji, you know, (laughs) with the dog.
1: Yoji's the dog who's oddly sleeping, you guys, right now in the corner. But I could pretty much, and I don't want to manifest this, but I'll go ahead. At some point, he's probably going to bark really goddamn loud and then you'll hear me pick up a squirt bottle and squirt him in the face and I get so much pleasure out of that. I'm sorry, dog owners that think I'm sadistic, but his bark will literally like split your goddamn brain open. A couple squirts, it's not, you know, it's filtered water. So he might go crazy. But yeah, so your idea of a good time is like, you know, your version of outdoors is not like, you know, yeah. running around like a freaking native necessarily. Yeah, but...
0: no, you you go deep. And I've done a lot of your weird adventures and I can't go as hard as you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well I remember when we went to visit my dad once in Colorado and he was like he owned this great beautiful property up in the mountains and he had a, a the teepee? Yeah, he had a teepee on it. And my dad's, you know, born and bred Colorado mountain man, hunting, fishing, like he's he's a rough dude, you know. He he's hardcore and uh so he took us up to the property and he's like, cool, so you guys, you know, spend the night in the teepee. And I was like all in. And then we opened up the teepee and there's like spiders all over it.
0: No, it's like, okay. So my idea of a teepee is like the shape of a teepee, but with like, Glamping. I don't know, stuff inside of it, a, right. a blank, a bottom, it was just on the dirt. It's like, welcome to the teepee. Right. He's like, or you could stay in the RV. I was like, oh, that should be a relief. There's like, Dead mice,
1: <laughs> like a lot of them.
0: And then remember, there was that like animal carcass, like a few steps up the road. I was like, <laughs> yeah. you didn't want to stay there either."
1: Don't say that on you air. You did not want to <laughs> stay there either. No, actually, I'm kind of, I am kind of high maintenance when <laughs> yeah. it comes to camping. I'm not really down with like being cold and having bugs on me, so I admit that. So yeah, we so we both have evolved in our own individual lives, and yeah, and you have also. Like in your, as long as I don't tell you about a health thing, I've noticed you'll be like, "Oh, hey, this, you know, whatever supplement this, this is really great." And I'm like, "I told you about that five years ago." Yeah. You if know? he
0: tells me about it, I'm not doing yeah. it. Yeah, she
1: has to like read it somewhere or find it from another source, and then she'll start doing some of the stuff I'm doing to a much lesser degree. But
0: well, you know. I was talking to a couple of our friends about kundalini because you know I'm doing the priming, the Tony Robbins, a little breath and they're like oh you would love kundalini I was like yeah well Luke told me I should do it so like I'm going to have to give it like another year before. <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: right. You, like one of your girlfriends or someone else has to bring you and be like, no, it's really good for performance and entrepreneurs or something. Yeah. And you'll do it. Yeah. But legit, all the shit Tony Robbins teaches is straight out of a Kundalini class. It's crazy. Okay, so...
0: Yeah, let's get into
1: it. Yeah, it's so a little backstory there, you guys, uh, which is just worth mentioning. It's fun taking a little trip down uh, memory lane. Speaking of memory, so I want to get into your history because you are... Uh, just a fascinating person. Your level of um, dedication to your career, being of service in the world, to helping women that you help with your programs and all the things you're doing, and just your basic level of output is astonishing to me. It's one one of the reasons when I first met you, and we'll we'll tell that story too. Um, I was just like, "This girl is special. You got something very unique going on." So. As we get into the fashion piece, what is your first fashion memory as a little girl?
0: It's so funny. I have like one that I always go to as my default, but this morning when I was doing my my meditation, I had like when I was doing my little gratitude piece, I had a memory come in that I've never remembered before. It was trippy, but it was me with my grandmother cuz she's the one who taught me how to sew and I really like she like kind of introduced me to my love of fashion that and the Wizard of Oz because those shoes were tight so that's always been like oh yeah that's my earliest memory Wizard of Oz and the shoes but it's really like my grandmother because I would go over to her house and spend the day there while my mom did mom stuff I don't know and my grandma would pull out like a big bag of fabric my dad would call it the bag of rags. He's like, you're not bringing home another bag of rags, are you? I'm like, yes, grandma gave it to me. But she would teach me how to sew. So I would like be just obsessed with this fabric and I would make clothes for my Barbies. And then she taught me how to make clothes for myself. So every time I went to her house, which was, I'm not really good at like timelines on memories, but probably like once a week, it would always be like, yes, like I get to get in there with that fabric. So that's kind of like, I had that connection with her and with fashion like so early. I mean, I was probably like five years old. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Your fashion affair started like kind of, and when my rock and roll one did, like those moments for me, like was the first time I heard music like that. It's Mm -hmm. just like instantly set the tone for my whole life. So as you were growing up, what were some of your fashion phases? I mean, I know some things about you and you feeling like at times you didn't fit in where you live. So ex- describe like where you lived and what the culture was like and how you, you know, tried to find your place and express yourself as a kid.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm a just perpetual non-fitter inner. <laughs> and like I keep trying to look at that to be like, why is that? I mean, I think there's a lot of things like Culturally, that contribute to not fitting in. Like I'm like a multiracial, so like growing up in high school, all the black girls were like didn't like me because why? Because I was too like white, so like I didn't fit in with them. But I didn't really feel like a deep connection with. I grew up in like a mostly like white area, like upper middle class, so I didn't really feel like I fit in with like the cheerleader white girls. I was a cheerleader. Uh, The black girls didn't really want anything to do with me. I'm also part Cuban. No one can really see that. So that piece didn't work. So just racially, I felt like I didn't really have a home. I distinctly remember in high school, like all the different like zones, you know, it's like the goth kids hang out here and the popular jocks and cheerleaders hang out here. And then the weird drama kids are here. And I always had an interest in like so many different things. So I was in the drama club true story i performed uh, a play about the challenger spaceship in front of george w bush senior
1: are you serious
0: <laughs> yeah in the eighth grade so like i had that because
1: like, by the way i don't think you mentioned you it was in outside of dc yeah where you grew up
0: yeah suburb uh, in virginia right outside of dc herndon herndon I, yep that's where my parents live now
1: herndon
0: yep fairfax county This is like our claim to fame where at at one time, I don't know if it's still true, but it was like the most affluent county in the the country. Really? Yeah. So like when I was in high school, like everyone's like, oh, we're the richest. So I grew up with like that type of environment. Like everyone at the school was, drove nice cars and they had money and I didn't grow up poor or anything, but I was always just like kind of in the middle. Like I didn't have like a gravitational pull towards being super popular, being super outgoing or super nerdy. I was always just kind of a little bit everywhere. So I had lots of acquaintances, but I didn't have any deep connections with people. Like I had like a punk rock phase, like a raver phase. I could always just kind of float. And I think I use style as like an in. Like if you dressed a certain way, then you fit in with that group. And then there came to be a point where I was making a lot of my clothes, like customizing clothes. I'd have my cheerleading outfit on with like hot pink and black striped tights because I just, I didn't fit. So I was like, I may as well look like I don't fit, but everyone still kind of liked me because I'm like funny and a little weird, you know? So it was just always this kind of identity crisis, but style is like the constant. Like from when I was five until now, it's always been the thing that I love and that i was kind of known for it's like oh lauren is fashionable she makes clothes ask her it was like a good opener for me for people
1: so when you say the black girls in school like just ignored you did you ever get bullied by any of the different groups
0: oh yeah i got bullied immediately like even before high school started in like summer between eighth grade and ninth grade there was cheerleading tryouts i tried out you know for the cheerleading squad and i just I don't know, there was this like group of girls that would just hang out there. I don't even know why they were there. They weren't trying out for the team. Maybe they were. Maybe,
1: Maybe they are that... just hanging out to bully the girls who were
0: yeah. <laughs> trying yeah. out for the team. I don't know, but I just like, that was like my first high school memory of like, ah, fuck, <laughs> you know? Because it was, I mean, even growing up like in um, elementary school and things, like I was uh, on the gymnastics team. And people would ask me, like, is your skin tan because you are out in the sun a lot? And I wouldn't, like, connect. I'm like, 10, you know? People would, like, ask me those questions. But now as an adult looking back, you're like, shit. I grew up in, like, a really white area where people just didn't know. And I'd be like, I guess. Like, I didn't ever think of my skin, you know? Right. So I'd be like, I guess. Like, oh, good. Oh, good. Wow. Yeah. And like growing up with people saying things like, you're not, you're like different than like other, the other blacks, you know? Like, (laughs) so like that (laughs) was the thing. So it's like, you don't fit in. Oh,
1: humanity. Jesus. Yeah,
0: it's crazy. But all that stuff's like in you as like a little person, but you don't think about it. You just live your life. And then you look back and go, God, that was kind of fucked up. Yeah. But I didn't fit. So I use clothing a lot to be like, Let me carve out my space because my default doesn't go in the right category.
1: How do you think that those experiences early on, where you were getting messages that you were different and didn't fit in, how do you think those affect you now? And what do you do to to overcome the imprints of those things?
0: I mean, I think it still does affect me now because I don't have like a clear tribe, like, even working in fashion. I don't hang with the fashion crowd. I don't go to fashion week. I don't get crap from brands, you know, so you see everyone else who's like in the same space and they're all friends and they go to this PR thing and you're like, I don't really fit in there, but I'm like a fashion badass (laughs) and I don't fit, you know, and even like being an entrepreneur, I've got a little community within um, entrepreneurs. A
1: huge community growing by the way. Yeah. Miss Humble.
0: But even then, it's like, I'm still like, oh, like I'm the, you know, <laughs> wow, Lauren does fashion stuff. Everyone, right, we right. do all this nerd stuff. Like I'm still like this like exotic animal. Right. So yeah, it's just interesting. I think I'm just used to going through life like that, which is fine. Like I get to blaze my own path and I get all these different perspectives. So I've always tried to think about it in like a positive way. Cause, because I don't fit in, I think I can be a voice for people that are, feel misunderstood.
1: I think that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I relate to that a lot, you know, as you know, and the listeners may or may not have guessed, but even as I fell into being a stylist, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't grow up playing with Barbie dolls and like, I didn't have sisters. I wasn't like in, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't into fashion. I was into clothes because I was into rock and roll and I thought Mm -hmm. Jimi Hendrix and Keith Richards were cool as fuck. And I wanted to look like that because if I look like that, then I could playing a band or something, you know? But as I got into the fashion industry and and you and I shared this a lot, it's like all the parties and the fashion week and all of that side of it and just in the entertainment industry in general, I never really felt like I fit in either. And like Lauren and I, you guys, we used to go to these fashion parties as ambassadors for school of style. I mean, we literally own a fashion school. And to this day, I think I can say somewhat objectively that we're the number one school in the world to train people how to become a fashion or a personal stylist. So have a successful business. It's known all over the world. And we would put these fashion events on the calendar. (laughs) It's like one of us would have to be dragging the other one there. We have to go represent the school. And, you know, when I was a stylist and it's just like, God, I don't fit in either, but I, I do love clothes and aesthetics. And there is a way that that fits into my lifestyle even now, but I relate to that so much of just not really fitting in and then just going, you know what, if I don't fit in anywhere, I'm just gonna make my own world and my own tribe and it really seems like that's what you've done and we're gonna get more into that. So yeah. like, cool, you guys don't accept me over here? Awesome. I'm gonna find my own family and create, you know, a scene that do get me and that I can really contribute to. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to um give us like a brief segue into how you got, you know, from college back east to LA and then we'll get into how you found School of Style and ultimately me and how this whole thing started.
0: Yeah. Well, I went to school for fashion and I was going to be a designer and I graduated. I was like, yeah, that's not going to no, <laughs> the salaries were too low. I like nice shit too much.
1: So if you go in like, for example, uh, what you're referring to, I'm assuming is if you go like Design for Zara or BCBG or like kind of mm-hmm. one of those mainstream brands versus like if you're going to be the next Vivian Westwood or Mark Jacobs or Alexander McQueen or something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you go to, you go to school for something. And I think this is something that's fundamentally wrong with just the education system in general is they don't prepare you <clears throat> or anything, you know, which is why what we do at the school is so different. We're like, here's what really happens. So you spend four years in college sewing, drawing, and they're like, go out with your degree. It's your golden ticket. And it's like, whoa, whoa, what is happening here? I don't get to go to college to fame. I mean, I really thought that. So when you get offered some assistant designer job, which is really like sourcing buttons and zippers for $18,000 a year, you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to go to New York and like be a superstar. <laughs> right. Know? Yeah.
1: you're Like, uh, where's my fashion show fashion week. Right. I was like yeah. ready
0: to take my bow right. and that just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> uh, so I had to get a real job. I mean, I worked retail at first and then I ended up working in an office job. It's so interesting. Cause I've just kind of been going through like, I don't know, just a lot of different spiritual things thinking and just going like back in time. I'm like, style for me is always has been the only constant in my life, you know, the only thing. So I worked at a freaking preschool on a farm where I had to like teach preschool and teach kids how to milk cows. And I designed the camp t-shirts because I was like, I gotta do something fashionable. And then I worked in an office job and I was so bored being an assistant that I started my own website where I gave fashion advice. And then that caught the attention of some executives working there. And they flew me out to L.A. to join a startup that had to do with action sports. But I was like, can I write about the clothes or like, all right, (laughs) just get your job done. You can write about clothes if that's what you want. So just with everything, I'm like, there's got to be style. There's got to be style. There's got to be something more from that job. First job in California. I left after four months. Again, no idea like how life or business works because school doesn't prepare you for that. So I was like, hey, company that relocated me and paid for my move and helped me get an apartment and you want me to help start this brand new company. I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> you know? Like I'm going to quit after four months because I want to work for this other company that's more in line with my needs. And I remember the founder of that company, I apologized to him years later and and thanked him. But he's like, I just want to let you know that this is like not how life works. (laughs) You you don't get relocated to a company and then leave after four months. Like it would be at least stay a, a year. He's like, but I've worked, he used to like run like NBC. And I mean, he's just done all these great things. And he's like, I have a feeling about you. And he's like, there's a saying that we used to say at NBC, I walked the halls with, because he's like, you know, he knew like Katie Couric before she was like Katie Couric. He's like, I've walked the halls with. He's like, I know I'm going to say that about you. He's like, so go do your thing. Like, there's no hard feelings about, about leaving. That's cool. Um, You know, I believe in you. I was like. thanks you know and in that moment it didn't like hit you know it was like a moment of like wow that was really powerful i was like peace you know (laughs) (laughs) time for my next job right and i worked for like a internet startup that was more in line with fashion but i you know i hated it and i was so miserable just in my life and that's when i searched i should be a stylist you know and then i came across school of style
1: right Because at that point, just to give people a point of reference, I I think a lot of people listen to the show are somewhat acquainted with fashion in general, but unbeknownst to me, when I launched my first class, uh, November 8th, 2008, the next day, a little TV show known as the Rachel Zoe Project launched on November 9th of that same year. And so during that first year of business being a stylist was like the coolest shit ever. And so you're probably watching that show, maybe I'm assuming, or at I least, was, yeah. yeah. So you're like, oh uh, yeah, I want to do that. Cause being a designer obviously wasn't like the path of,
0: yeah, I was lost, you know, I just, right. I knew that I wanted, that I had to do something in fashion. Like it wasn't an option not to, and if it wasn't a fashion job, I made it a fashion job. So it's like, I know designers out, Buyers have to do stuff with math. That's out. Worked for a fashion website. That wasn't enough. And then, yeah, I saw Rachel's O project. I was like, this is a job? And I'd worked retail, like, putting clothes on people and seeing, like, how much they would transform. That's why I started my website where I would give people fashion advice, and I was essentially styling people online. And that was
1: just to give perspective. Like you were really an early adopter of the fashion blog. I mean, yeah, what... that was
0: in two thousand five. Like blogs hadn't even like really. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people knew what a
1: fashion blog even was, and you're. Teaching people how to dress in its earliest in the prehistoric Lauren Messiah Media brand, right? Which, yeah, and you had another name at that point, which I won't mention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you find out about School of Style. You you enroll in that class, and I'd been doing it, as I said, for probably about a year at that point or something. What do you remember about walking in that first class with me at Smashbox Studios? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember being hungover.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Whoops.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, more like memory lane craziness. I'm telling you, whatever the hell we did at Tony Robbins unlocked some like, it unlocks some really. shit. Oh yeah. Crazy wow. crazy shit has been like flooding into, into the dome. But I remember I had been looking forward to that class so much. Like for some reason, I mean, at the time, I mean, I was a loser, you know, I mean, I was a loser when I signed up for that class. And it seemed like so expensive and it was $280. What am I gonna do? I signed up for it and I just, I counted down. I went on your website where you had put way too much information. We had changed that once I joined the team, but I wrote over and over and over again the outline for the class. Really? Over and over and over wow. again. Section one, you know, this over and over like in a notebook and I look looking forward to it so much and then I went out to a party that night the night before and I got myself in some like sticky situation and I just remember being like what am I doing here like I have to get out of here I have that class tomorrow like this is the most important thing to me and it's like three in the morning literally what am I doing here in this situation and I just like Got up and left, <laughs> I was like with some dude that I shouldn't have been with, and he was like in the bathroom, doing God knows what, and he came out and i was I was gone. I was like I have to wow. like, get true to ghost this. move oh to, to the He's probably not happy.
1: That's the, old, that's the, old, like ghosting someone on text is one thing, but like hanging out with them and they go to the bathroom and you're like, poof.
0: Yeah. It was like a, it was like a bedroom ghost. <laughs> <situation>. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? I've got to get out of here. And I just, oh my God, I felt like shit that day. We call that
1: Paulina Casper. Do you? Yeah. Poof. She's gone. Okay. Carry on.
0: I've never heard that term, but all right. But yeah, I left and I just, I was like, I got to get to this class. And I went to the wrong Smashbox and then I found it. I didn't even know there was the one in West Hollywood and it was too full. And I had to sit in like a wicker chair. (laughs) I remember those dumb chairs. Yeah. (laughs) It was just, I don't know, but I sat in that class as painful as it was just in my physical state. But I was like, holy shit. There was so much there. There was one there was the information of like, uh, I just spent four years at college, didn't learn anything to prepare me for real life. And you were like very real and honest about like what you had to do, what was bullshit and what wasn't. I was like, oh, this is like the damn truth. And I'd worked for so many startups and I'm like, I don't think this guy knows what type of information he's got here to like do something bigger. And I was like attracted to you because you were good looking.
1: Hot for teacher.
0: Hot for teacher. And there was like something else there.
1: By the way, for the record, in 10 years of School of Style, you are the only student that I ever was intimate with. I'm, it's t- I'm very proud of that.
0: Yeah, you should be proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially very with what's
1: been going on lately, very, man. I'd be a deep shit, yeah, you know? Very
0: inappropriate. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but there was something else. I was like, I got to meet this guy. And I emailed you that night and was like, I want to help you with your business. And you were like, can you come over tomorrow? I was like, okay. All right. I have a full-time job (laughs) at the time, but I was like, okay. And then the rest is like kind of history.
1: For the entrepreneurs listening, you know, I tell this story all the time to our students because it's such a meaningful lesson. But, you know, here I am, and and truly didn't know like the gold mine essentially that I was sitting on. When I started the school, it's because I had been going to these real estate seminars and stuff, almost like very like Tony Robbins-esque. You know, you go in for a weekend and it's like a boot camp on flipping houses and shit like that. And I was like, Oh my God, because I didn't go to college, as you know. I dropped out of high school literally the day I turned eighteen. So I go to these boot camps and I was like, damn, so you pay a couple grand. And you get all this information at one time instead of like stretching it out over two to four years. So that was kind of the model that I had, but I really didn't see it as like becoming my full-time thing or a way that I was going to end up buying a house someday or any of that. It was like, cool, in between styling jobs, just to slang some information, I'll just make some extra cash. But what you did that was so brilliant and the lesson that I always tell, I mean, people in general, but especially our students is... You were just, you could have just been another student that took the class. There's probably 35 kids in there or something. Kids to me, I mean, you're 10 years uh, younger than I. A lot of them were much younger. And I would always get emails like, oh, hey, I want to intern. I want to work with celebrities. Like, next time you work with a rock star, let me help you. And it was like, they were always like, Asking me what Well they, takers. Yeah. Well, they always were like, here's what you can do for me. And I'm like, dude, I already have five assistants and like zillions of interns from the school. But what you did that was powerful and unique, which is a great lesson, is you emailed me and you said, Hey, enjoyed your class. You probably don't remember me, which I didn't. You were hung over in the back of the damn room. And what I'd like to do for you, Luke, is do this thing called social media and you have very little to none of it and it's what I specialize in and I think you've got a great business here and I can help you grow it. So you you, you kind of like made yourself indispensable to me by saying, I was like, God, I, social media, I need that. And she knows how to do it. It was literally an offer I couldn't refuse. In other words, your whole position was like, here's the 10 ways or you know, however many ways I can help you, not like, hey, I wanna be a stylist, help me, Luke. And I literally like, there, I could not ignore that email. I was like, oh, I'm busy, but I was like, damn, how can I live without this girl? And then, you know, as you said, you, you started the next day and played hooky from your job and eventually started working for the school and worked with me on styling jobs and the rest is truly history. But I always just look back on that. It's so important. And I think I still, I don't think I still use that when I'm hitting someone up that has some you know, social, uh, status or something in the industry that I'm in, I'm like, Hey, I got an idea. Here's how we could collaborate or how I can contribute to what you're doing. Not just like, Hey, would you help me? Would you help me? Would you help me? It's really important stuff. Uh, so as we started uh, working together and you started working with me on styling jobs and things like that. And by the way, folks, just, as I said, we were working together for a long time, many months before we ever dated or anything like that. So just want to clarify that. <clears throat> my own reputation, as sorted as it might be in other areas. I want it to remain stellar in this one. But we started working together and we're styling all of these bands. We're going to Coachella, styling, you know, 10 bands in a weekend. We're doing all this stuff and really working with celebrities. And that's what you thought you wanted to do because that's what you saw on Rachel Zoe and on TV and all that. So at what point did you decide celebrity styling wasn't your thing and that you wanted to be into personal styling and why? And maybe just explain kind of the difference for those listening that don't even know what that is.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember my first style, like official styling job with you, a music video. We were on set for like 12 to 14 hours or something. And I was like, What? And I distinctly remember, I was like, oh, I wish I had a Diet Coke. And you were like, never drink Diet Coke. And you told me of the dangers of aspartame. (laughs) And I never, I never I never had a Diet Coke ever from that day on.
1: Good. So a few things sunk in.
0: Yeah. So that was the first job. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, this is like grueling. But, you know, I didn't let it deter me, but it was definitely, like, a hit of, like, this isn't as, like, badass as I thought it was. And then, remember the one styling job that we did with the actress that will go unnamed that farted and blended on her skirt? (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: We were shooting, yeah. It would be uncool to name her, but she's now really famous. At the time, she was on a couple shows, like, B-list. Now, maybe not a, but pretty famous. Yeah. That was funny. We were shooting the standard downtown and Lauren and I are like getting the shoes ready and organizing the next look or whatever. And then we're both facing away from the bed where said actress is sitting. And all of a sudden we hear, Mm. (laughs) and we look at each other like, Oh my God. And then the girl's like, Oh, the skirt. uh, Yeah. (laughs) She was like, "Oh, I think the skirt moved." She literally, like, she's wearing like a wool skirt or something, and tried to blame the fart sound on the skirt yeah, itself. But, yeah, it
0: wasn't like vinyl or anything. Yeah,
1: that was freaking hilarious.
0: But that in that that day, she was such a bitch. I realized that I'm for celebrity styling, fashion styling. I was not there in a I was there in a servant <laughs> capacity, yeah, and not like a serving. Capacity,
1: right? That's a that's a good distinction.
0: So, she was pick up my underwear. Where's this? Get that. I was just like, I don't like this. Like, the my relationship with style is to help you fit in, to help you move forward in your life, to help you express yourself. And for these actresses and musicians, it's literally part of their job. It's like, cool. You've got an hour. What are we wearing? I don't like that. I hate that. Talk to my publicist. There is no feeling behind it. And I think with, not to say that everyone who's in celebrity styling or fashion styling is egotistical, but there is a lot of ego involved with the high you get from seeing your name in a magazine or being in a celebrity's Instagram story because you hang out with them all the time. That doesn't do anything for me. Like I'm much more, even though I'm on TV and things like that, I'm introverted. I don't really connect easily (laughs) with people. Yeah. So I don't really feel comfortable with praise or talking about myself. So I don't really get anything out of that. It's more of like, this is a a way to, to send my message of style. So the whole celebrity thing, it just didn't jive with me. I'm like, this doesn't feel good.
1: Yeah. It's weird that you didn't really get off on that part. Like I have to say, I kind of did. But I think more so because I worked with mostly musicians and I really have such a close relationship with music, being a musician myself. So it's like if I couldn't be in a band with someone, it was pretty cool to work on their music video, you know, and like get to know them and be around really creative, inspiring people. And I think I was less irritated by being a shoe shine boy, essentially, which is what it comes down to in many cases, but that definitely wasn't your thing. So as you started to realize that that wasn't, in fact, your calling, just like you had found years before, that being a designer and making clothes wasn't your calling, how did you get into personal styling and what's the difference?
0: Uh, so we had taught a corporate class, your recall. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, we taught a corporate class and then one For of,
1: Nickelodeon. Yep. Yeah, that was, God, that was a huge endeavor. That was one of our first big sort of breaks in terms of creating a, you know, a custom corporate class.
0: Remember you got the email and you were like, eh, I don't know. And I was like, this is huge.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's been a lot of opportunities professionally that I was like, ah, I don't know, whatever. And you're like, dude, hello. (laughs) Uh,
0: But we did that. And one of the attendees of that event was like, oh man, like I wish I were I was a celebrity. Because then you could be my stylist. And I was like, hmm. I was like, oh, here's my business card. I actually do style just regular people. I'd never done it in my life. I mean, on my website I had. But I was like, whatever. She'll probably not call me. But she did. So I just took the same model that I had learned, you know, working with you on celebrities. And I was like, I'll just apply this to a normal person and kind of give them the star treatment. So everyday people, to me, need it the most, you know, like a celebrity's got access to the best clothes and all the greatest things. They've got an image that's been curated for them. But everyday people just living their life are like, like style is a huge pain point for people. And it only shows up when it's so painful because you can skate by with being like, ah, stupid, extra. And I don't you know these clothes are fine they f- whatever until it gets to that point where something happens where you don't fit in where you can't advance in your career or the people you want to notice you aren't noticing you, you stand in front of your closet, you're frustrated, you go shopping, you don't know what to do. Those are the people that that need something and they need pampering and they need to feel heard and taken care of, so I was like she called, and I did the whole system with her, and it was a really special moment because I saw, like, the lights turn on, (laughs) you know? Oh, my God. Like, she had never seen her body that way. She had never wore skinny jeans and was like, the next day at work, people were... She goes, people were looking at me, but not, like, how they normally look at me. (laughs) Because they're so... I mean, it's so sad to me. And you don't really realize it. I think especially with us, like, being in Hollywood and having a natural like in ability to kind of know what's cool and be around certain people, people don't get compliments like on their appearance. That's a- really, yeah.
1: Oh, I, that's weird. I can't imagine that.
0: I know. Cause
1: I'm so cool. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> but, but, no, but you know, I mean, like so, uh, yeah. someone
0: will be like, Oh, Luke, the dope, you know, shoes, or even if you have one of your wacky devices on, like people are noticing you and interacting with you. Right. There's so many people in the world that are walking around completely invisible. Mm. And that's heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, because clothing is just, it's an expression of, of you. It's the things that we get to pick and choose from stores, from brands we believe in, from Etsy designers, from wherever hand-me-downs all different things that you have assigned to your identity and when you can't properly convey who you are that's so frustrating that's like speaking a completely different language and no and like you don't know that you're, you're like you're speaking chinese and everyone else is like i don't know what you're saying i speak english like going through life like that
1: If you've been listening to the show for a while, you've probably figured out that I'm a pretty hardcore researcher when it comes to finding healthy products, right? Well, one of the things I've been searching for for a while is the number one best organic bedding that you can find. There's a lot of cheap, crappy stuff out there. And so I was really excited when I found this company, Alterra Pure. And I got them on the phone when I thought about running their ads. And I do this with everyone, by the way, that I run ads for. I got them on the phone and I really grilled them about their whole process the company philosophy, where the cotton comes from, where it's made, how it's made, who's making it, the freaking water that goes in the soil. You guys know I'm hardcore. And Alterra Pure passed my test, my scrutinizing test with flying colors. These guys make not only really well-made and safe bedding, but it is actually really soft and comfortable, I don't know, they crack the code on making soft organic sheets, which are actually quite rare. A lot of the organic stuff is like freaking sandpaper. So these are just beautifully constructed sheets that are really good for you. They're organic, no pesticides, they're non-GMO, they're very environmentally and socially sustainable. And they also are just um, very transparent. You can find out anything you want to know. You can call them. I don't know if you'll talk to the CEO, but you'll talk to someone they will answer any question you have and they will prove to you beyond the shadow of a doubt that they are in fact making the healthiest bedding in the world. So if you want to check it out, go over to alterapure.com. That's alterapure.com. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 15%. Pretty cool, right? I always try to get you guys a discount. It works out well for everyone. I win, the company wins, and you win. So go to, once again, alterapure.com, enter the code LIFESTYLIST, and you will save yourself 15% off your order. Essentially, your clothing is a way of broadcasting to the world what you're about, what your values are, what you're, um, you know, culturally where you fit in. Um, it's a, it's a means by which you can communicate with people and be identified in some sort of tribe.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's the first thing that people notice. Everyone's like, like me for me. Yes, we'll get there, but we've got to get through the door. You look at someone and you're going to, to have an idea and it's picked up, It's not like people do it on purpose. You know, you don't sit there and be like, I'm going to judge this person, figure out what he's all about. We've been taking in these cues our whole entire life of like, this thing means this thing. You know, this garment means this. These shoes mean this. This brand means this. So all this information is just there and you look at someone and you've automatically assigned things to them. It's the same with like picking out your car, Anything, you know, it's like these are the things that we've taken the cues and saying, this is who I am. I mean, I've watched you change your brand from being Mr. Stylist to being Mr. Life Stylist, and you're getting to express what you're all about. It would be weird if we we're going to a fashion show and you had a light up your freaking nose.
1: Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know? or my Earth Runner sandals Yeah, or your sandals. Or yeah, but yeah. like
0: now you can freely express who you are and what you're all about by what you're wearing. It's like when you started doing Kundalini and you're like, I'm not wearing all white, I'm wearing all black. Like that's what I'm all about. Like, I'm not about this. And then you are about this and you're embracing it and you've got a freaking turban on and stuff.
1: <laughs> on New Year's Eve every year, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I
1: still don't know how to tie that shit. It always flies off. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you know, going back to what you're talking about earlier in school and stuff too, I I, I I I've never really thought about this, but you know, I would I would move schools a fair amount. You know, I wasn't like a military kid or something like that, but you know, I mean, I was never at a school probably for more than two years, and when I went to the new school. I wanted to show all of like the jocks and the preppies, which is what we got. I don't know what you call them now in this generation, but back then those were like the enemy. And I wanted to show them all that I was not interested in being a part of their like Situation, and I wanted to find the kids with the drugs, and I want to find the kids that were into punk rock and heavy metal. Yeah. So that's like when I walked into school, it was like a walking billboard. Like, hey, this is the tribe I fit in, and it was a way for me to find my people that I knew would accept me. Yeah. And those were the people that that I automatically accepted, and then the kids that I judged, the jocks and the preppies and stuff. It's it's just it was more in defense because they judge me, and they were the kids that would pick on me. And I wouldn't say that I was like brutally bullied, but you know, there were a couple of times where kids came up and just punched me in the face because I looked the way I looked. You know? <laughs> no. It wasn't like I was being harassed constantly. I'm sure some people have it worse, but um, that's interesting. So now as as adults, you know, this has implications in terms of our dating life, our, our, our romantic prospects and goals, uh, professionally building a, a social network, not a Facebook friends, but like real friends. So, how has your brand and and your mission evolved then out of that sort of superficiality of the celebrity world and even to some degree the fashion industry because you're not really interested in going to fashion week and being the it girl on instagram and all of that stuff how's that evolved to where you're moving into working with people more on a on a deeper more meaningful level psychologically
0: yeah i mean i think the deeper i dig into my personal relationship with style, the more that I'm able to give to others. You know, just right now I'm doing this this Facebook challenge. Maybe by the time this airs, it'll probably be over, but it's called my style awakening challenge. So the women inside the group, I'm having them really like tap into their relationship with style. Like the things that we're talking about now with high school, like, well, I didn't really ever think about that in the stuff that we we carry with us. So, So even when we had just started working together and I took more of like an active, like business partner role in the company, I remember like going to business meetings and not really being noticed or being noticed as your assistant. People yeah. always like, And maybe it wasn't something that you noticed, but I definitely did. Like people are talking to you. Yeah. And I'm just like, hey, I'm over here. But a lot of it was like, you know, I grew up dressing so weird, you know, to stand out and to like make my own little mark and coming up as an entrepreneur was 28 years old when I left my corporate job and was living off of unemployment you helped me clean out my closet the first time. I had like nothing left. <laughs> Everything I had was like pink and crazy. So I hadn't moved into dressing like an adult. Oh, yeah, that was kind
1: of your Betsy Johnson sort of wacky phase. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I had all those clothes from when I was in my 20s, mo- You know, being in my 30s, running this business with you that's becoming very successful of not looking the part. And it ties like not only to not looking the part, but me not understanding how far I've come and not recognizing my success and the past that I've left behind. Like I was still hanging on to a lot of guilt from the past and scarcity mentality of being able to buy new things, wanting so badly to be, to be different and not like, I don't want to dress serious. Like, no, I'm like trying to do some serious shit with this business. You know, it's time to like grow up and really own where who I am and where I want to go. And once I shifted my wardrobe, I mean, we had like great financial success with the business, things just started moving. So I'm like, shit, this is like an actual needle mover. So I connect really deeply with that and I'm constantly tweaking my style for my different environments or for my different goals. When we broke up, oh shit, (laughs) I need to dress like a single person. I'm still like wearing your old sweaters. We would have, remember we had matching sweaters, (laughs) you know? So you have to evolve and change. So allowing women to tap into that, to like shed the idea that like, this is stupid. I don't want to be a fashion plate to be like, well, do you want to live your best life? Well, let's look at this shit and make a change. It's not about being cute. It's about getting what you want based on how everyone else is reacting to you.
1: Well, this is what, you know, this is the interesting part of this, because I know you have your spiritual life and you're evolving and working on yourself, uh, you know, in, in many ways as I am and have been for a long time. And I wouldn't say that I struggle with it, but I just find it interesting from the perspective that it's like what really counts is the inside, right? So like... I would be friends with someone. I would date someone. I love people in my family. I don't care how they dress. If they have no style, if they're a total dork, have a, if they're out of shape or have a bad haircut, like I love them, I accept them 100% because they're not even a body. They're a soul walking around in a body, let alone the color of the skin of that body or what they're putting on, you know, the cotton and wool and lycra and shit they're putting on top of that body. So coming from the more yogic, you know, philosophical point of view. I am not my mind. I'm not my body. I'm a soul that's here. So that's the fundamental truth. But like, where, you know, where is the line between that awareness, but then also having fun with the adornment of the meat suit and of the body and not getting caught up in the ego trip of like, oh, I got to make sure the logo on my Chanel bag is showing when I walk in this restaurant. And all you know what i'm saying like the yeah. it's so easy for the ego to sort of like get wrapped up in that how do you separate just self expression and being who you are with creating some false identity
0: well i think style is is very misunderstood you know so people have kind of a black black and white reaction to it of like it's either nothing or being a logo maniac nuts i think it's very similar to spirituality of you can be spiritual and enjoy a spiritual life. And there's people looking at you like, oh, you're spiritual? Well, you must be floating on a fucking cloud and like doing all this weird shit. It's like, no, there's shades of gray there. You know, there's a quiet spirituality of like doing your thing in the morning and feeling centered and tackling the world. And there's an extreme form. There's all different areas of that. So with fashion, it's the same thing. It's just... The way that you look is going to inform the way that you feel. You know, the way that you feel is going to inform the way that you look. But you can trick your feelings with what you're putting on your body. So you can't tell me that the person wearing their pajama pants all day in a hoodie really is like living their best freaking life. It's not about being a fashion plate. I don't want to take anyone from the pajama pants in the hoodie to rocking a Chanel bag it's like let's just fucking get dressed. <laughs> like let's just put on some clothes and recognize the person that you are. There's a woman that's in my private Facebook group for the Style Awakening, and seriously, when I read these, I'm like, <gasps> like, bawling, but she works from home, so she gets up, she takes a shower, she's got a great job. you know, it's not like just some like loser work from home thing. She's got a great job. Gets up, takes a shower. She's not going anywhere. So she puts her robe back on in her little pajama pants and she continues to work. So yesterday, because we had the challenge and you had to take a selfie of what you had on, how you were perceived, how you felt. She put clothes on and her husband came home and was like, oh, he's like, you got dressed today. And he was like so excited. and He said that she was beautiful and she had like the realization like, Holy shit. He thinks that like I literally like don't even shower. Like that I just sit here and hang out in my robe, but she's like seeing his reaction and like that spark back in his eyes. She's like it reminded me of like when we fell in love and we're in that period. She's not the girl in the robe. She's like I'm hanging up that robe. I was like burn it, <laughs> you know? That's not her. So her just putting on pants and like a sweater and just some normal shoes does not have to be a fashion plate, but she's showing her husband that she's like a great wife. I don't know if she's a mother. It's it's expressing the narrative. Someone in a robe, you look at them and it's like, you're a lazy slob who didn't even bother to shower this morning.
1: It's only cool if you're the big Lebowski. If you're <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's gonna the be the dude if you're the dude. Yeah. I mean, there's gonna be extremes and like people that are are who fight it and aren't ready, you know, it's the same with diet. It's the same with spirituality, it's the same with exercise. Like you can fight something and call it stupid and have valid reasons for thinking it's stupid until it's something that actually affects you and moves you. And then you can see like, oh, this is not about superficial. That's why I don't talk about trends. I don't talk about the brands that you should wear. I'll give you a guideline, you know, because people are clueless of like what's quality or what's in their price point. Um, It's not about that. It's just about showing your true self because when you see it, you believe it.
1: Right. So it's not, yeah. So it's not about, um, it's not about trying to fit in to be accepted by others, which would be the superficiality of fashion. And I think what even me, I'm kind of like, like, I'm not interested in that part, but it's fitting into your own skin and your own personality.
0: Yeah. Cause then you can thrive. You can, you can do your thing. You can fully express yourself. Like a girl posted a selfie in the group and she's like, God, now that I like look at it, she's like, like, she wore skinny jeans because that's what everyone told her was cool. Instagram told her it's cool. Celebrity told her it was cool. So she put it on. You know, she put on the shirt that was for everybody else. And she looked, and she's like, God, I look like, shit. You know, she's like, I got a muffin top. I didn't even see. And like, that's when people feel uncomfortable. And they're like, their body language changes. Their ability to just like walk right up to someone and say hello changes. It actually changes their whole entire personality and like what they're all about. It's why people stay stuck.
1: Wow. Interesting. So it's like, I never kind of framed it in this way. And it's fun having this conversation with you because I just watch you do your thing. I don't sit down and ask you this shit. You know, it's just, oh, Lauren's making an online program or, you know, your like brand is just on fire. I can't even keep up with you are doing It's It's really fun. So it's like dressing a certain way changes your energy and it's almost a pattern interrupter. Yeah to to get dressed and be like damn I I am the shit inside I'm developing that self-worth that self-love and now my outside costume in a sense is just an accentuation or or maybe rather an extension of finding my true identity yeah and then and then broadcasting that to people out in the world.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think,
1: but it doesn't, it has to come from a place of self love and self acceptance first. Otherwise then it gets into all the materialism and all the fakeness and the phoniness. Well,
0: Yeah. That's why it never works. Like I just did a Facebook live uh, with my little tribe today. And I was talking about using Pinterest and, and the vicious cycle that most people do. Most people, all of a sudden they look up and they're like, I hate everything in my closet. I hate everything. I've got to clean this shit out. I'm going to go on Pinterest, I'm going to make a Pinterest board, I'm going to go shopping, and it's all like outside fixing. And then what happens? A month later when those clothes aren't new anymore, we're back to the same the same spot. So that's why like the work that I do with my clients and with my courses and things is we're going deep. Like most people don't know what they're getting themselves into when they start interacting with my brand. I go through like all the style roadblocks, like all the bullshit that, that you've told yourself that's like holding you back from like actually making a change, tapping into your goals, like personally, professionally, romantically, getting clear on like where you'd actually want to go in life. And then style just becomes a tool of how, how to get there. My after that's interesting to me is that you got the promotion, that you got married, that you walked past, you know, a mirror and didn't not look. There's people posting my group that are like, they don't like to look in mirrors. They don't like looking at themselves. Oh
1: man, (laughs) That's heartbreaking. It's
0: heartbreaking. So like the after that I'm more interested is like, you feel amazing. Like you kicked ass in your life. I don't give a shit what you wear. I really don't. If you feel great in it, that's really all that matters. But when people get honest, you don't feel great in, in what you have on, you know, unless you've really tapped into the meaning behind the clothing.
1: Well, I'm really into energy, you know, and I know you're getting into Tony Robbins and and all this kind of stuff. As we said, we just went to that thing. And I definitely noticed with myself that my energy is definitely affected by what I'm wearing. And I think I've even talked about on the show, you know, like, like the girl in your Facebook group, um, I, as you know, I work from home a lot. I'm just on the mic recording my intros or I'm on a Skype call with someone and there's no video and we're recording like that. And I can totally sit around my house pulling the dude look, no probs, uh, minus the joint, of course, but like no one's requiring me to dress anyway. And if I'm like in my frigging yoga sweats and stuff like that in my house and I have to do something meaningful, I will underperform yeah. because my energy sucks. Yep. So I'll literally like get myself kind of dressed up, even though no one's going to see me except me, because I just feel more badass. And I, you know, I've described this to working with male clients and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, honestly, like you might not even be into fashion, but I think anyone that's introspective at all would acknowledge that you feel different in your gym clothes than you do in a fucking tuxedo. Yeah. You know, when you go out and that's, that's why that there's a dress code at certain places. And when you go to a night, I mean, not so much, you know, anymore, it's getting becoming a bit antiquated, but at a nice restaurant or, you know, an affluent nightclub or something, it'll be a dress code. It's not, they're control freaks. There's a, there's an energy field that's sort of created when everyone is elevated to a certain point.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just like, at Unleash the Power Within when we had to like jump and scream and dance and be freaking hyper. And he's like, you're changing your state. You're changing your energy. Right. You know, like you can do the same thing with what you have on. It just, it makes you show up differently. It just does. Whether it's a missed opportunity or just the way that you feel performance wise. I always tell people who work from home, get dressed, (laughs) get dressed.
1: Yeah. get dressed <laughs> well that's the you you walk your uh what do you call that walk your talk too because i come over here to school of style hq as i said it's next door to your your apartment and i, I show up here at 10 or 11 and you're like full-on decked out to the nines and i'll, I'll ask that oh you shooting a video you're like no I'm like what are you doing today i oh, just working on my computer i'm like dude you're like you got your heels on like you're super dressed up so that's why yeah to create a state for yourself, to put yourself in, you know, entrepreneur badass mode.
0: Yeah. And not to mention, like, you never know what the hell is going to happen. These days with social media, you want to shoot an Instagram story real quick and you look like a freaking hobo. No, thank you. You're out walking your dog and like the hottest guy ever walks by and you're like, (laughs) you know, please don't look at me. Please don't look at me. I look ridiculous. You just, you never know what's going to happen. Like, why not always be... Your best, inside outside the whole whole package.
1: So what I see happening with you and your own business, Lauren Messiah, this this you're becoming this mogul uh, of sort of self help meets personal style and fashion. I know we've used the term, maybe you said it and I just picked it up, but you're kind of like turning into the Oprah of fashion or Tony Robbins or Marie Forleo, where you're really helping people with the inner game. So how would you summarize? your mission right now? Like what's inspiring you? What do you want to do for people to take your courses and all of that?
0: Yeah, my mission and it's been my mission and it's always on the forefront of my mind is I want to change the way that women get dressed and not in like a work with a stylist instead of do it yourself. Like not that. There's plenty of that in the world. I want to fundamentally change the relationship with clothing and how women think about fashion and getting dressed in the morning. That's my main mission to take out the, the, the BS, you know, take out the superficial, take out all of that and just really get inside. This is like fun. <laughs> you know, like I was telling my my ladies on the Facebook Live, I'm like, dude, everyone needs help. Like we really do. And if I can get you that help through fashion. That's a lot more fun than like being bent up in a yoga position for five (laughs) hours. You know, like this is a fun way to to uh, improve your life.
1: In your course, Personal Style University... How does that work? What goes on in there? I mean, I'm aware of it from the periphery, but I've never logged in and like taken the course because it's geared toward women obviously, and yeah. I don't know that I would benefit from a lot of that content in that way.
0: I know. I do want to come up with what for men.
1: We're going to I want to talk about men's too yeah. cuz you know, I I it seems like my demographic listener-wise is maybe a little more women than men, but there's definitely a lot of dudes out there. So dudes, if you're listening to this right now, hang in there. We're going to cover it, but what what goes on in that particular course because it's not Just about like, oh, here's the cool trends. Like you said, it's like, it's a much deeper dive. And I think that's so fascinating about what you're doing.
0: Yeah. I think it's been, it's interesting because a lot of people who aren't immersed into what I'm all about are like, what's this thing? Is this about, do I learn how to match this with that? I'm like, kind of, sort of, but not really. So years ago, I had this idea sitting at my vanity. I was like, I want to like teach people how to get dressed. Like, I already, you know, we already teach people how to become stylists, the whole business side. I was like, I wanna actually figure out the science behind getting dressed and teach people how to do it. Because as a personal stylist, I can't do this shit anymore. You know, like, it's a lot of work and I wanna help millions and I can't take a million people shopping. I can't have a million fittings at my house. So, The idea behind Personal Style University is taking that formula that I've created for all of my in-person clients and putting it into a format where someone could essentially style themselves. And when I style someone, it's not just like, meet me at the mall. I'm going to find you some cute stuff. I'm like, the consultation, we go freaking deep. So it's like, there's self-reflection, There's really uncomfortable work because you can go as deep as you want. I mean, just like with any spirituality stuff, like you can keep it kind of here or you can go here and that's where real change happens. So when you're ready and you're reading the questions, you're like, "Oh, oh, my God, like what's coming out? So it's like doing that part and then developing your identity as it pertains to style. So like figuring out where to find the right inspiration. What stores are good for you? What brands, what celebrities should you be looking at doing that part? And then, you know, it's all this pre-work before we get to the shopping. And I teach people how to shop effectively because so many people go into stores and are like, I don't know what to do. The salesperson peer pressured me. This is too expensive. I want to return it. Teaching you how to actually shop and then coming home putting together outfits, the biggest mystery. No one knows how to put stuff together. And a lot of it really just comes from fear. It's like, you're afraid you're going to be judged. You're afraid you're going to make a mistake and people are going to ridicule you. Once you bust past all that crap, it's fun. It's easy. And then like the last component is the evolution. So when you work one-on-one with a personal stylist, which is why I really believe in this program and it's why I've shifted away completely from working one-on-one with people because I almost feel like I'm stealing from them because it's a temporary high. Right. You know? Right. Like, they're happy. They're stoked. They've got 15 new outfits. But once those outfits wear off, then what? They're strung out on me. I need another They hit. need you
1: every season or every big career relationship yeah. change. Or and whatever. I mean, that
0: sounds great from like a business perspective. You're like, cool, more business. But I'm like, no, I don't want you to need me. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to need me once and like be able to have this as something that you know how to do. Because you know how good you feel when you're like, I know how to do that thing.
1: Oh, absolutely. I- it's It goes back to the principle of, you know... Give a girl a fish, you'll feed her for a day. Teach her how to fish, you'll, you'll feed her for a lifetime.
0: Yeah. I mean, people feel good when they have a skill. Like even if you learn how to cook like a dope recipe, you're like, ha ha, I know how to cook. I did that. So fashion is like, I think that's why people get so embarrassed about it. Like, uh, I'm like successful. I make money. I'm like a great person. I can't even like, I get stumped by a freaking shirt and pants. Seriously. So to be able to teach someone how to do that when their life evolves to the next chapter, it's like, okay, it's time to like fix the suit that we're going to go out and do this next part of our life in. And then they can just keep going through the program again and again. My style's evolved. You've known me for almost 10 years.
1: Your style evolves every week. <laughs> like, seriously.
0: I'm a fast mover
1: yeah, I mean, Just <laughs> your life. Just your hair alone. Like if you go back in your Instagram feed, it's like you've literally had a thousand hairstyles in the past 10 years or something. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Let's talk about men's then. What's the fundamental difference between the way men approach fashion and personal style versus women? And of course, we're going to generalize, you know, I always yeah. have to Make my little attempt at being PC. There are people that don't identify as men or women these days. So, whatever. But in the context of, you know, just men's clothes, women's clothes, what's the difference between how us dudes look at it?
0: You know, it's, it's interesting because I think my answer, if you asked me this a year or two ago, it would be much different. You know, my old answer is like, you know, men are, are on a mission. They don't really care. They want function. They like the shirt in blue. They'll take it in red as well. Like, they're just, very analytical when it comes to style. But I think that's really changed a lot recently where men, like there's actual studies that show that men are becoming more self-conscious about their appearance than women. Really? Yeah. Wow. Which is crazy. And whenever I worked with male clients, it would always be so easy. It would be like the husband of of you know, the woman that I worked with. And the fitting would take a third of the time in and out. Take five of them. Don't even need to try it on because that one fits. To the men's fittings are like worse <laughs> than the women's. They last longer. They're wondering, well, what's the girl gonna think on a date if I if I wore this? Is this an, in style? They're actually like a lot more into it, and I think the gap is kind of closing. Where it's actually very similar to women. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's weird.
1: I guess I haven't actually dressed someone in a long time and I mostly dressed men and I found it to be generally speaking easier. Although there is a little bit of a difference there because celebrity men are a lot different animal than your average guy who just has a corporate job or works at a startup or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like celebrity guys are kind of typically more kind of ego-based and insecure about their body and really weird stuff that I didn't encounter so much just helping my guy friends get dressed or something like that, you know?
0: Well, I think the, the world has changed so much over the past couple of years with everyone's, everyone's a brand. Everybody. you got your Instagram, you got your Facebook Live. People don't want to wear the same outfit twice. People have to have a visual identity attached to like their intellect and and what they're all about, so it's just becoming more important to everyone I think men included there's the days of like smell it and if if it smells okay it's clean like I think <laughs> guys are like kind of done with that
1: so if if there's a guy listening right now and he's someone who feels very challenged about his life lack of ability to represent his true self inside on the outside, what would you recommend seeing as you don't ha- yet have a course for men to, to learn this?
0: I mean, I would say definitely looking at other people that are where you want to be, like a little role, role modeling, you know, per se, to see like, what's this guy all about what is he wearing like how are things fitting like kind of being a observer and a studier of people that are doing it right i mean that's what you would do in, in business you know You'd be right. like, damn i want to kick ass like oprah like what did she do oh she's got a coach i'm gonna get a coach oh she reads two books uh, a day i'm gonna read two books a day so you can do the same thing with style of like looking at this guy looks horrible And instead of just judging that, saying why, oh, his suit is like completely ill fitting, his tie is too wide, where this guy here looks like he's got it together, it fits this certain way. And just ask for help. I mean, guys don't always love to ask for help, but if you go to a store, usually like a cute girl will be working there that can help you. And just take like a couple minutes just to learn something new with fashion because it will just help you more in the end.
1: That's true. It's sort of like how guys have a hard time asking for directions when they're lost. Like I literally would just drive around for five hours. I am not stopping to ask directions. Yeah, you will. <laughs> and, he'll,
0: but, and he'll yell out ways. And... <laughs>
1: but the the fucking ways, it's always taking me through those intersections without a light. But I think that's, a distinction that I haven't really looked at. I was like, oh, if a guy's stuck with his sort of sense of fashion or creating an archetype for himself, it, it probably is a more difficult, just psychologically, in many cases, for a guy to be like, hey, I have to admit publicly, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm lost. Somebody help me. I think our brains are just kind of wired to like figure it out mode. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. Yeah. And sometimes probably waste a lot of time, energy and money trying to figure it out when you could just hire a freaking stylist or something to get you sorted out and send you on your way.
0: Yeah. And I think men are, are like changing their like I've had a lot more male clients recently than I, than I ever have because I think with productivity and you know, I mean, you talk about biohacking and things like that. So much is like, why would I waste time with this? Outsource it, you know, (laughs) know, like have someone else help me with this thing so I can get this piece and like go on with my life. I mean, there's so many men who wear like a uniform. You got like Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs. I mean, they're like geniuses. They can get away with wearing the same dumb hoodie every day. People who don't want to change will always look at those like anomalies and be like, well, Steve Jobs wore a turtleneck. Ah, uh, he's freaking Steve Jobs.
1: <laughs> right, you know? right.
0: Put some clothes on, dude. You can't get away with that shit. Right. But the fact that, in a way, Steve Jobs outsourced that task by just wearing the same thing. You can outsource the task by getting someone to do your shopping for you, their style in a box services. There's so many different avenues to, like, getting your style life together that there's really not an excuse to, like, look like garbage. I
1: think that's a a good way to appeal to men is like, look at the, the, um, the efficiency factor. You know, I know for me, just the way my brain's wired, I don't like to waste time. I like everything to just be automated and kind of do things the exact same way every single time so that I'm not using up decision fatigue energy about what I should wear. Like I have my set uniforms basically. I was was
0: actually, you're reading my mind. I was just going to say that like something I teach inside personal style university is creating your style uniform And I have like a whole little like worksheet that helps you develop what that is. And men can do the same thing. When you have a formula, it doesn't mean that you're wearing the same crap every day, but you've got the same idea. Like you're going to wear skinny jeans, whether they're that white color or blue or black, you've got your silhouette, you know, you got your t-shirt and some sort of cool jacket over it. So you can repeatedly buy those same things, but in different variations.
1: That's fun. that's exactly what I do. Yes. I have like my six different lightweight jackets yeah. that aren't a blazer that can be worn indoors and not look ridiculous. Yeah, that's funny. And also I, I think too, as you get those formulas down, then do you not sort of have a formula for the different you know quadrants of your life, right? So like here's the crap I wear out dating with new people or my partner or whatever. And then here's the stuff I wear to, like I kind of have two careers, you know, I have school of style where I can't show up being Mr. Kundalini, yogi, hippie guy. So I kind of have like my school of style, more fashion representation. And then I can get more earthy when I'm off doing the lifestyle of stuff and wear my scarves and my weird hats and kind of keep it real. So, you know, can you not create sort of different uniforms for the different parts of your life?
0: Yeah, whenever I have... People, if it's I'm making over a client in person or personal style university, I'm like, pick your focus because that's just a huge issue with people in all different areas of their life. They can't freaking focus. <laughs> so they're, this needs to be fixed. It's like redecorating your house. I'm doing every room at the same time. It's like, no, we're going to start with the living room, then we'll move over to the dining room. So it's like, pick an area of your life. Let's get your career looks in order. All right, nailed it. Let's move on to your dating wardrobe. And then, yes, you'll have like a different type of uniform. Like when I was actively going on dates, it's time to dust off the old match profile and get back out there. But I found like when I was going on dates, men are more gravitated towards color. It's scientifically proven that wearing red makes men more attracted to you. Really? Yep.
1: Whoa.
0: Uh, But my uniform is like some sort of pencil skirt because then I could put the booty spell on them. You know,
1: that would look good. Booty spell is important.
0: And I'd wear some sort of like, you know, little, little crop top. So I'd just be showing like a crack of stomach. So a little sexy, but I'd still feel sophisticated. So I had like different variations of that same outfit that were kind of like my go-to date outfit. Because there's nothing worse than before a date, standing in front of your closet, being like, ah, what am I going to wear? So that was like my get a man uniform. And then for work, you've got a thing. And, you know, you just kind of know what to do. Awesome. Yeah.
1: So in terms of the inner game, I want to touch on that a little bit before we wrap up because knowing you, uh you know, we're talking about how to kind of work with the outside as it pertains to the inside, but knowing you and seeing where your brand and your mission are going, specifically like in your current Facebook group, I mean, you're eliciting some really deep stuff and almost becoming a style therapist in a way. So I don't know, I don't know what my question is or how to form that, but what are you currently working on yourself, I guess, you know, in terms of your own self-discovery and spirituality and, uh, you know, psychology and growing up and all of that stuff?
0: Well, I think back when we were in site, one of your observations of me was like quiet, quietly spiritual, I believe you called me. Mm -hmm. And I am, I'm not like shout it from the rooftops type of people, but I am working on being a little more open about my insides and what I'm all about because I can see how powerful it can be to other people. And I've just been so inspired by the women that I'm working with. So I'm like, damn, sister, you just put it all out there like crazy because it's like it's forming those bonds. So it's making me feel braver about you know sharing more things and going deeper. And just in my own, you know, spiritual practice, like I'd made the decision, like when we were at the Tony Robbins thing is one of the actions that was kind of holding me back was when I wake up, not getting out of bed. And I'm like a very high producer. I'm very productive.
1: You're a freaking Martian straight up. Like you're literally from another planet.
0: But I know like after seeing Tony, I was like, I already know I'm a Martian. I'm like, That's like he's like (laughs)
1: he's king of the Martian
0: head Martian, (laughs) but it was so inspiring to me. Like I mean, that whole experience. Like I can't wait to do more. It just I don't know. I connected. Like I've done all sorts of different spiritual things and read all sorts of different books, but I really connected with that because he's like a beast, and I'm like I don't want to waste any time in my life. Like I don't want to waste a freaking second because I was I fully believe I was put on this earth to deliver this message and to change the way that women get dressed. Like, I don't see other stylists talking about this stuff. I don't see them getting deep with this stuff. I don't see them being like, not connected to the fashion industry (laughs) when they talk about fashion. I've never seen this shit before. And it's like inside me to do this. I'm like, I'm not wasting any fucking time. This is what I'm doing. So now I've been waking up at 5 a.m. Wow. And getting up. But I don't even use an alarm clock. I've nev- I have never have. I don't even own an alarm clock. I was already waking up at 5 and I would get up and go to the bathroom and I would get back in bed and I would cuddle with my dog and I would look at Instagram and I would do emails and I would be productive and be kind of working and I wouldn't get like out the door to walk the dog until like 830. Like I just wasted like three hours, three and a half hours of my life. So I was like, no wasted time. I'm on a mission. I was put on this earth to do something. I'm fucking doing it. So 5 a.m., get my ass up. I take a shower. Now I actually like put on that corny music. So I change my state. And I've been doing what Tony Robbins calls it the priming exercise that we did. So we do
1: aka a Kundalini yoga kriya, yes.
0: But all the pieces. So like <laughs> no, yeah, I know. Yeah. Just messing with so I do the, you know, the breathing stuff. And then three things that I'm grateful for, and then the whole energy thing, and then three goals that I have and like visualizing them actually happening. And for years, I've been trying to have some sort of like a meditation practice, some sort of like morning centering, and I've never been able to nail it. But I've been doing this since we were at the event, like the second we learned it. I've done it every single morning, and I feel like a huge difference in just how I start my day. So that's been really helpful spiritually. Uh, I'm addicted to reading books. I'm trying to read. I've already mastered reading one book a week. Now I'm trying to get to like two books a week, eventually three a week. I want to read as many books as humanly possible (laughs) and just like studying the hell out of stuff. Just the more connected I feel to my work, I mean, I'm definitely a bit of a workaholic, but the more connected I feel, I don't know, that like taps into my soul as well so i don't know if that answers your non-question question question. it
1: does that's what i was looking for like the the inner stuff that you're working on yourself because i'm sure that as you discover these tactics just like i do then that informs how you help women and that informs how i help the audience and the people that will take my courses someday and coaching and all that sort of stuff it's like i think you have to be able to really have hold of something to be able to transmit it in a meaningful way you know, like I'm not gonna talk about, hey you guys, you should wake up at five every day. My ass does not wake up at five, so that would not be a recommendation. It's like you have to sort of to a degree practice what you preach, even though we're all a work in progress, obviously, you know. Um I think that it's it's important for each of us to kind of find the practices and principles that work for us. So yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. I think that kind of covers everything I wanted to talk about with you today, Lauren. And I'm just really super stoked to have you as a partner and be through all the stuff we've been through and we've managed to persevere and have a really great business together. And I'm really excited about what you're doing and to watch you to come into your own. And that's why I wanted to have you on. Uh, Is there anything that you want to uh, share, promote? What do you have going on right now that might be interesting to our people to find in terms of websites, Facebook groups, any of that?
0: Just follow me on Instagram, just Laura Messiah, because then you can find my YouTube channel and you can see about my courses and things like that. Cause personal style university is going through a major 2018 reboot. I've been working tirelessly behind the scenes on that. Once that is ready to be birthed, it's going to be a good thing.
1: Cool. And you're the challenge that you spoke about that's going on right now will be over by the time this comes out. Cause I think this comes out in two weeks from right now.
0: Yeah. If you're watching this live, then there's the, we're only on day 3 of the challenge it's a 10 day challenge so it's not too late to jump in
1: those are our friends that are watching on Facebook and Instagram live can get in the challenge right now but once this podcast episode comes out yeah, it'll, that will it'll host. be
0: closed but by yeah. the time this podcast comes out There's going to be more magic.
1: (laughs) All right, cool. (laughs) That's on
0: another level.
1: Cool. Okay. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. And then my final question, which I don't even know if you've ever listened to my podcast because you're around my ass enough. But my final question, (laughs) which surprises some people, is Who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced you and your work that you might recommend our audience go check out?
0: What do you mean by teachings? Like,
1: You know, a philosophy, a follow. book, yeah, people you follow, something that's inspired you, something that you learned about fashion, philosophy, any of that stuff that you might say, oh, you guys like what I have to say? You need to go check out this person.
0: Right. God, there's so many. It's hard to to choose. God. I mean, I love Marie Forleo, obviously. She's great for like the marketing piece. You know, if people are like into that thing, I just think she's a boss. You've been a good teacher to me, but just through life, I don't listen to your podcast because I've heard you enough over over 10 years.
1: You've watched me live my podcast, you know?
0: Yeah. No, but you have been like a really good teacher to me. It's just a miracle that we've been connected in our lives. It's like pure God, fate, something that was like, these two jokers are going to meet and do stuff. So you've just been like a life teacher to me because we've just had so many experiences. And I don't know, Oprah's forever my teacher.
1: Yeah, I had a feeling you might throw her in there.
0: Dude, seriously, even if you don't like Oprah, you've got to listen to the Making Oprah podcast.
1: Oh, really? I don't know about that.
0: Oh, okay. When you search for it in, in, in iTunes, nothing's going to come up. Making Obama's going to come up because he's season two. But all you have to do is scroll down to season one of Making Oprah. And if, like, you don't get inspired by that, then...
1: You don't have a pulse.
0: Your heart is made of coal. <laughs>
1: you're you're a, <laughs> you're actually a good purveyor of podcasts because you turned me on to shows that I would never. I you know I, I love listened, podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I listen to like the the usual suspects. You know the inspirational, self help, spiritual stuff, and then the health stuff. Um, but when you turned me on to that was really dope too was the Richard. What's the Richard Simmons one called? Missing Richard Simmons.
0: Yeah, I think it's called. Yeah.
1: Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. The fucking podcast was amazing, dude. I don't want to blow the, you know, the premise of it too much if people want to check it out but it's a really good like serial episode podcast that tells a story about how dude just quit his career and just disappeared off the face of the earth basically
0: yeah i mean if anyone watches like the news then you know you know he
1: like ghosted on the world yeah but it's it's a really creative cool podcast and very different from my format or the format of shows that i listen to so
0: and i love uh npr how i built this Oh, yeah. Yeah, you
1: turned me on to the one from um, the Granola Bar. The
0: Lara Bar Lara Bar, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That was a really good one too.
0: Yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts.
1: Yeah, you're a very good resource for uh, podcasts and for audiobooks. Like yes. you got me on the Zappos one, delivering happiness. I'm like two days into that now. So I like just trail behind you. And that's how I find mostly the entrepreneur stuff, which is... I know,
0: you know. I could like pull up my Audible and like blow everybody's mind, but... Uh. Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, you did a good job of picking three. Yeah, cool. All right. So uh, thank you for finally being on the show. And, you know, obviously we'll be doing this again and checking in at some point, but I'm glad we finally got it done. And um, I want to encourage everyone to check check out your stuff, LaurenMessiah.com, Lauren Messiah on Instagram. Follow her and... Uh, the dudes in the audience can look forward to the next chapter, which includes the homies.
0: Yes. And that is my real last name. People have been messaging messaging me thinking I made up my last name.
1: No, you have the dopest last name ever. It's
0: like, it's really my last name. Yeah,
1: I actually get asked that too. Really? Yeah. Story because I'm a storyteller on the podcast. I'm like, no, actually it was the given name.
0: Yeah. So anyways, we scored. Yeah. We're
1: awesome. All right. Cool. Peace out you guys. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, time to turn on the house lights and usher you toward the exits. Don't forget to tip your valet. This episode is now officially finito. We're out. Let's give a round of applause in our cars, on the train, wherever you happen to be traveling, to our guest, Lauren Messiah. I'll give a little hand right there. That was a really fun conversation, right? So we learned a bit about the psychology of style, the psychology of fashion, the inner workings of our personalities and how we express those outwardly. Really cool stuff. I love Lauren's perspective. I love catching up with her and uh, finding out what she's on to next. She moves fast. She's a hell of an entrepreneur, so like, her personal style university is just I don't know. It's one of the coolest online classes I've ever seen. Of course, I get a peek in the the back end of it. And uh, I encourage you to go over there and check that out if you are someone who identifies as a female and want to learn how to get down with your personal style, especially if you're someone that's kind of struggled with finding an identity. Her program is really, really powerful. No joke. I'm not just saying that because she's my friend and I want her to make tons of cash. I want that too, but she really has a way of getting inside your head and really helping you find your own spirit animal when it comes to how you dress yourself. All right, do you wanna get the show notes from every podcast episode that you listen to here at the Lifestylist Podcast? I have a feeling you might. Have you ever noticed when you listen to shows like mine, there are a lot of knowledge bombs and nuggets and links and things like that mentioned during the course of an interview and it's almost distracting sometimes because you're like, oh man, I gotta Google that later, look that up. What was that code? What was that site? What was that author book? Whatever well i've made it really easy for you i pay good damn money to have people do very very specific show notes and link out to everything that i talk about with my guests in every single episode and i don't want that information to go to waste now you can always find it at LukeStory.com because of course each episode has its own web page or essentially a blog post with all of those notes and that's great you can always do that but who's going to remember to like turn off a podcast, then go open a browser and go there. So I've made it super easy for you. You have to join my newsletter. And I send you an announcement every week when I put out a new show. And within that announcement for the show, like for example, if you were already on the list, you would have gotten an email this morning that said, hey, here's a new episode with Lauren Messiah. And everything she talked about would be linked in the body of that email. So if you wanna join that party and get in on the fun, here's what's up. Open your phone right now, open your text app, Put in this number, four four two two. I mean, pull your car over, obviously. But put in this number, 44222, all right? And here's the word that you're going to text. Text the word LIFESTYLIST, one word, to the number 44222. Text LIFESTYLIST to the number 44222. Now listen up, if you have a US phone, it will work. If you don't have a US phone, your SOL, it's not gonna work. So you have to go to your browser. If you don't want to use my little text action, you can go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. Super easy. Put in your name and email, and I'm going to send you all of the goodies every time I release an episode. I'd like to lastly thank our amazing sponsors, AmpCoil. You can find that super powerful, badass technology over at ampcoil.com. I'd also like to thank Altera Pure. You can go to alterapure.com for the most awesome organic, I mean, truly organic sheets ever and enter the code lifestyle is there and save 15%. That's alterapure.com. And last but not least, my old buddies that have been with me for a long time now, Organifi and Organifi makes a number of different fantastic health products and Pills and powders and potions, and I take them literally every day, as I always say, and I'm not kidding. You can go to organify.com forward slash Luke, enter the code lifestylist, and save 20% over there. That's Organify with an I. All right, so support our sponsors to support this show, and I thank you so much for your ears. I really appreciate you listening. And don't forget to go check out laurenmessiah.com, where you can find out more information about her as well as her fantastic course, Personal Style University. All right, peace out.